It is important for us to have certain basic realizations concerning what happened to us when we were regenerated and put into Christ by God the Father. First, we received the same life that God has. We are children of God. For this reason, John said, Behold what manner of love the Father has shown to us that we would be called children of God, and we are. Through regeneration and receiving the divine life, we have entered into the kingdom of God. Not mainly as a realm where God rules as he rules the universe with power and authority. We have entered the kingdom as a realm of life. I believe we've established this principle sufficiently that every kingdom involves a certain kind of life. Now that we are in the kingdom of God, we need to have the proper view as to its nature or what kind of realm it is. First, we tried to point out it's a realm of the divine life. The governing principle of our living in the church as the kingdom of God is the tree of life. Dependence on God and living by the sense of life, not being independent of God and living by our knowledge of good and evil. Since life and light are inseparable, the kingdom of God is also a realm of light, of God shining. The kingdom is Jesus shining over us, shining in us, shining through us. In this realm, everything is bright, true, real, genuine, sincere, truthful. Then last night we considered that this is a realm of grace. Grace is the process and consummated triune God as the source, embodiment, and application to enable us to do what is humanly impossible. That is to be a Christian and to live the church life. Actually, if we are enlightened, it's impossible for us even to be a proper human being. Uh, I don't know how rush hour traffic is in Kansas City, but the human nature is so corrupted that there's road rage all over the place. People are not even properly human when they drive a car or in the context of their family life. Actually, we need the grace of God to be a genuine human being according to God, to be a Christian, to be in the church life. Grace, then, 
equips us, supplies us to do what is humanly impossible. This grace is God himself becoming enjoyable to us. Was God a little bit enjoyable to you at the table? Didn't you enjoy the Lord? Appreciate him? And enjoy God as life and light. We will conclude with some fellowship on the kingdom of God as a realm of shepherding. Before we come to that, I want to say something further in the hope that this will impress us more regarding what the kingdom of God is for us, the believers. I'm reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light who delivered us out of the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Isn't this a delightful expression? The kingdom of the Son of His love. The Father has qualified us through redemption and regeneration for a share of the all-inclusive Christ as our allotted portion. And this portion is in the light. Paul immediately points out that the Father has delivered us out of the authority of darkness. On the one hand, and I'll say on the left hand, is the authority of darkness. The kingdom of Satan. Satan actually has a kingdom. With all manner of subjects. And it is in darkness. Darkness is its element. Wherever darkness is. There is a perverse authority with it. This is in contrast. To what Paul speaks of. As the kingdom of the Son of His, that is the Father's love. I believe even without uh, definition or description, we sense something endearing about this. The kingdom of the Son of the Father's love. We know from the Father's direct speaking at the time of the Son's baptism and of His transfiguration, that the Son, the Beloved, is exceedingly precious to the Father. He said, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I find my delight. The son prayed in John 17 toward the end that the love 
that the Father has for the Son would be in them, the believers. That the believers would experience the same kind of love in them that the Father has for His beloved Son. That is exceedingly tender. I would not say that God is proud of His Son. That's a human notion. A deeper thought is that God is pleased. Is pleased. You know, I'm no expert on child rearing and I don't have opinions for others. But I didn't go down the path of being proud of my children. Or trying to motivate them by doing something that would make me proud of them. With the help of my wife, we would be more exercised to be pleased. We're pleased. We just delight in you. We're happy with you. It's so sweet. You don't have to do some outstanding thing to evoke a feeling of pride. We're pleased. The father delights in his son. The son prayed that the love of the father for the son would be in us. Now, this kind of love is the atmosphere of the kingdom. It's called the kingdom of the son of God's love. The atmosphere is pervaded by the divine affection between the Father and the Son, the delight, the sweetness, the good pleasure, the happiness. This is the realm we enter. It's a realm of divine love in the divine family. The love of the Father for His Son. Then what about us? They get ready now. We do not enter this realm to be spectators. For we are the reproduction of the firstborn son. There are sons all over the place. The son not only exists in the Godhead as the only begotten. The son as the firstborn exists in all of us who are sons of God. <coughs> Therefore, we are positioned to taste the sweetness that the Father has in His love for the Son and the sons. I've told this story often because the Lord used a high school playoff game to give me some light. My wife and I went to Texas Stadium on a Friday night to watch the MacArthur Cardinals. And my older son was a strong safety in the defensive back. And while the players were warming up and while they were playing, I got enlightened, almost a revelation. 
I realized that I wanted MacArthur to win. I cared for the team. But I was only there for my son, to tell you the truth. Then it occurred to me, I know what would be the perfect championship football team. And that would be the team in which David Kangas played every position. (laughs) David Kangas, quarterback. David Kangas, tight end. David Kangas, running back, kickoff specialist, special teams. If he could be multiplied and be every player, that's what I would like. Then there, in that game, as we were watching the MacArthur Cardinals lose... to the Arlington Colts. I really was impressed. This has been a lasting impression. In principle, this is exactly how God feels. God has eyes for his son, his beloved son. And what is God's good pleasure would be in his economy without jeopardizing the Godhead where the Son remains the only begotten. What pleases God is to reveal his Son into all of his chosen people and cause them to allow the Son to live in them and to be formed in them The result would be everyone is son. Everyone is Christ. That's the body of Christ. From God's point of view, the kingdom as the son of his love is a realm filled with his son, the son centrally, and the son economically reproduced and multiplied to become a corporate person. The outstanding characteristic of this kingdom is the father's love for the son, his son. And the love for the son now extends to the body of Christ. The son is the head, the body is the members. Now, Love permeates the whole atmosphere. The Son, who is the beloved of the Father, is the embodiment of the divine life. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. God has given to us eternal life. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. So now we have life in the Son. So in the atmosphere of love, we have the divine life flowing. Furthermore, as we go back to verse 12, all of this is in the light. Love, 
life, light. This is the kingdom of God. There is no realm more precious than this. I appreciate the sweetness when the whole family unit is together. You may have an extended family, you're together. Humanly, it's very pleasant, at least for a short time. (laughs) Depends, you know, if you have a real long time, then you know how it is. There's just something about the natural life that can wreck things. But nothing can, there's no, there's no human analogy to compare to a realm of God with the Son and the many brothers of the Son as the many sons of God as a realm, a kingdom pervaded by the divine love between the Father and the Son. Now this love is spreading to encompass all the believers as the sons. And the father sees son in everyone. He sees son everywhere. He sees son in you. He sees son in me. And deep within, there may be the prayer from time to time. Father, glorify your sons that the sons may glorify you. Then the Son is the embodiment of life. In the Son, we have eternal life. And this life is the light. This is the kingdom of the Son of God's love. This is the church in its essence. This is the church. Paul is writing to the believers in Colossae. They're the church there. The transfer into the kingdom of the Son of God's love is not merely something future. This is an accomplished fact. It's not merely spiritual and inward. It is practical in the church. The church in its essence as the kingdom of God is the kingdom of the son of God's love. And ultimately, that's what New Jerusalem will be. The consummation of this realm. How then are we ruled? We are ruled by God in the son according to the nature of this realm. We are ruled in love. The motivation of the exercise of the kingship is love. We are ruled in life. We are ruled in light. Regarding being ruled in light... I would mention something from Proverbs 4. I don't recall exactly what verse. I do know the chapter, and I got the book right. Verse, I can't go that far this morning with verse. It says, the path of the just 
you know, it's like the, the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter unto full day until it's blazing light. This is very experiential. Here you are, exercised to live in the kingdom of God as the son of God's love in a realm of life. You have to make a decision. Should you go to this school? Should this be your major? Should you take this job? Should you move to this city? Then there might be, you know, little little decisions like, you know, should I marry this person? You know, <laughs> stuff like this. How are we to know God's will? Let's remember that we are in the kingdom of God in the way of life. What happens is this. We get the light of dawn in our being. The light of dawn. And we're really not sure in which direction we should go. But the inner sense is telling us, just walk in the direction of the light. Walk according to the sense that you have. If you are one with the Lord, the light will get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. That is how you'll know. You may have the sense, despite all outward appearance, I need to stand in my spirit and pray for a particular matter. Now, what is your inner realization as you are praying? If you're praying in the kingdom, once again, there's just a crack of light. But you follow that. The more you do, the brighter it becomes. This is light ruling in you. But... If the opposite is true, if you move in a certain direction, especially if it's the direction that you prefer, and especially if it involves any natural relationship, which is very hard to discern the Lord's leading about that, if you sense your being is darkening, then you should stop. The darkness is an indicator. You're not under God's rule. You persist. You'll be experientially under the authority of darkness. The same thing with life. You have a sense. You need to make a decision. You, you need to make to have concrete action. So you have this little sense you move in that direction. You're, you're supplied. You're uplifted. You're peaceful. Life is flowing. That's life ruling you. But if you go in that direction, even if it's something that your soul wants, especially if it's something your soul wants, and you are deadened, dry, weakened, 
depressed, empty. Pay attention to that. That's the sense of death produced by the life within you, letting you know you're touching death. And if you persist in that direction, there'll be more and more death. So stop. Turn around. That is life ruling. Then love, it's hard to describe the rule of love. You may say there's the smile there, there'll be happiness, there's joy there, something more than peace. Just the sweet sense of the Lord's good pleasure in your spirit. You move in that direction, you sense the Lord is happy. The Lord is pleased with that. He's pleased with your walking by the Spirit, with your being one spirit with Him. But if you have a contrary feeling, it's not likely you'll sense anger. Just the absence, the absence of sweetness. The absence of happiness. Such as a father feels toward an older teenage son or daughter when he's put in the position of having reluctantly to allow them to do what they're set to do. And their only interest is to get permission and the permission is given because we're not robots. And this is a growing young person who will soon be legally an adult. What kind of society has adults at 18? Anyway, that's the one we live in. Okay, that's the one we live in. Sorry, 18 years. You know, <laughs> you know. But there's no happiness there. But at that particular time, the young person doesn't care about the father's happiness. Just, can I do it? Will you let me go there? This is all very fine. This is the way the Lord wants to rule us. In light, in life, in love. It's so delightful to be here. Amen. Satan is a liar. It's his kingdom that's oppressive. It's his kingdom that's brutal. It's his kingdom that's authoritarian. It's his kingdom that is full of fear. God does not rule us by fear. I know we need to fear the Lord. That's on our side. We revere him. We respect him. But God does not use fear as the way to rule us. We're in the kingdom of the son of his love. In this realm, which is the kingdom, we touch something most precious. If you would look at Matthew chapter 2, which speaks of the birth 
of our Lord. There's a prophecy concerning Bethlehem that out of Bethlehem will come forth a ruler who will shepherd God's people Israel. If you look for that verse, you look at the cross-references, you will find that in Isaiah, especially in Ezekiel, Christ as the coming king is referred to as David, the real David. And David in Matthew 1 is called the king. David the king. And David the king as a type of Christ was a shepherd. Was a shepherd. Matthew 2 indicates that the king savior revealed in Matthew will rule by shepherding. This thought is consistent through the New Testament. We come to Revelation chapter 2 verse 27. The Lord himself is speaking. Now you have the reward offered to the overcomers in Thyatira and we're told they will shepherd the nations. The king shepherds. The overcomers in the kingdom will have a rod of iron. They will need to subdue, not just defeat, subdue the resistance with authority. But that is part of the shepherding. All these persons on the earth, they mainly need shepherding. Revelation chapter 12 verse 5 shows us the universal bright woman bringing forth the man-child who will shepherd all the nations. It's probably not in our concept that the king is a shepherd and that the king rules by shepherding. Ultimately, this is how God will rule all of humanity, not just his children. Regarding this, I'm remembering a portion of very enlightening and comforting ministry from Brother Lee on Psalm 72. It's not in the life study. It's in Christ and the church revealed and typified in the Psalms. And the verses there say of the Lord, He will come down as rain upon the mown grass, as showers that water the earth. And you check the source. Brother Lee says something like this. Yes, the Lord will need to judge. There will be the judgment, especially during the tribulation, by supernatural calamities. But basically, the people are thirsty. Even the woman in John 4 was sinning because she was thirsty. After the judgment, 
when the Lord comes, it will be like rain to water the whole earth. The thirsty human race. Then we're told he will have dominion from the river to the ends of the earth. Literally, that's the Euphrates probably, but spiritually, that's by the flow. It's pictured in Revelation 22. There is a shepherding spirit that pervades not only the truth, but also the experience and the exercise of the kingdom of God. For some reason, because I was considering this, not distracted by it, I was considering it during the table meeting, I just inwardly just scanned a certain part of the earth that technically is in the Lord's recovery, outwardly in the Lord's recovery. And I realized among those assuming authority to take the lead, there's no shepherding spirit. Zero. You offend, you make a mistake, you're cut off, you're put out. In some cases, supposedly even given over to Satan. Oh, you dared to murmur a little bit. This is altogether foreign to the genuine church life. It's contrary to the essence of the church life in the Lord's recovery. What did Paul charge the elders in the church in Ephesus to do? Shepherd the flock of God. What did Peter charge the elders to do in 1 Peter 5? Paul's word was in Acts 20. To shepherd. To shepherd. Shepherd the flock of God according to God. Not according to yourself. According to God, that means you have to be God in life, nature, and function. And you don't touch the saints with your natural being, but with your God-constituted being. Now we can open up message four. The kingdom of God is a realm of shepherding. Shepherding, as defined way near the end of the outline, is to render all-inclusive, tender care of the flock. That's shepherding. In the kingdom, as a realm of shepherding, we all are directly under the shepherding of Christ the King. Every one of us. And he shepherds us inwardly because he is the life-giving spirit in our spirit. That is why if the leading and responsible ones are one with the Lord, they will not exercise control over the saints. You're not the shepherd. You are under shepherds. 
Let us help one another contact the Lord as the Spirit in our spirit. The more we are shepherded by Christ himself, and as a result, not only experience his shepherding, but know him as the shepherd, then the more we will shepherd one another. And we touch the third element of the new revival. The first is the high peak of the divine revelation. The second is the God-man living. And the third is the universal shepherding in mutuality. In this universal shepherding, we will all have a particular kind of consciousness. One is, I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. Forgive the pun, here it comes. It's not bad to be a sheep. Okay? You survived. Congratulations. We're all a sheep. Also, we're all a shepherd. If we divide the church into shepherds and sheep, that's clergy laity. Pastor means shepherd. If you have the feeling, well, I'm, I'm young. I'm new. I just got to meet Derek. Lord's going to bless you your whole life, Derek. You just get ready, okay? <laughs> and anyone associated with you is going to be blessed. You know, I don't think he's been here more than 30 years, right? Been here a short time. And I came into the Lord's recovery decades before he was born. <laughs> Here he is. I don't want to ask him directly. I'll ask the question obliquely. Do, do you think I can shepherd him? You would all agree. But my real question is this. Do you believe he can shepherd me? And I say, you can, brother. You can. Just as you are, you have a portion of Christ, your pursuit of Christ is a shepherding. We shouldn't have this kind of notion that I'm just a sheep, I'm so needy, I always need to be shepherded. Um without having the realization I'm also a shepherd everyone needs shepherding you don't think brother Lee needed shepherding he surely needed shepherding one time he he was ministering on Romans 16 he's greeting this person that person and he greets this brother and he says, and greet his mother and mine, and mine. That indicates that according to Paul's feeling, he needed a mother and had a mother. Now, if you're 
young in the Lord, you can shepherd Paul in a practical way. But you can't be his mother, okay? You do need maturity to be a mother like that. But it is so sweet in the church to have a spirit of mutuality in shepherding. Where we don't do this as a work of activity. You know, now I'm in shepherding mode. And then we make people projects of our care. We feel awkward. They're really bothered. You turn me into a case. Right? I'm a case. I'm a project. You're out to recover me. I know what you're doing. And I'm not recoverable right now, okay? Especially by you. (laughs) Saints may be weak. They might even be worldly. But they know whether there's a shepherding spirit or not. But when we live in this kingdom as a realm of life, as the kingdom of the Son of God's love, we eventually realize God himself and his Son. He's a shepherd. He's a shepherd king. And behind all the love, life, and light is this shepherding heart, this shepherding spirit. This is how he cares for us. This is how he rules us then as he lives in us and we become his reproduction we just do the same thing to one another without trying to do it there are many mothers here I do not believe that mothers are mothers by deliberate behavior now I'm a mother I need to be in mothering mode It's your being. The closest thing humanly to the Lord's shepherding is the mother's intrinsic love for her children. And young husbands, this is just a freebie here. You don't have to take it now. It's okay. You have to realize that your wife loves you. But you did not come forth from within her. So she's going to love the children in a way she doesn't love you. Okay? Get used to it. Okay? She'll love you as the husband. But there's a particular love she has for her children. And sometimes the self of certain husbands. They can't tolerate this. Okay, that's the end of the freebie. Now we're back on this line. It's not like a work. I'm going to do some shepherding now. I'm in, as I said, in shepherding mode. It's just your being. In any situation, spontaneously, you can shepherd. I shepherded a person sitting next to me on a recent flight. And I shepherded the flight attendant. On this particular flight, they did serve something to eat. And I knew from where I was sitting 
that the two choices that were offered, one of them was dwindling because this was the preference. So I'm on the aisle. So the flight attendant approached me first. You know, do you want this or do you want that? And I just knew one choice was ribs. There's only one of these left over. And this was the Lord living in me. I said, I would like my companion here to have his choice. And the flight attendant was so relieved, you know, she just tapped me on the arm and said, thank you. And then he went ahead and chose the ribs. And I got the non-meat dish. That was fine. This is not some great momentous act. I think that flight attendant will remember that. I believe my traveling companion will remember that. I didn't have any feeling to try to exploit the situation. I did this because I'm trying to be like Jesus. And I asked, what would Jesus do? No, I'm, I'm just living there. I'm not even trying to be spiritual. I'm just living there. Here's another case. This is all related to my learning, and it's supported by lots of failures. I'm in a restaurant in Russia with a number of other brothers. And then the server comes, a young lady, and she drops my chicken on my lap. <laughs> she didn't spill the whole thing. I'll tell you, this was my instant reaction. She was horrified. This is Russia. There is a certain reaction rooted on inhumanity. And this is what I told her. The Lord covers me. I'm not a hero here. I'm learning here. I said something like this. The clothes, they don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. I'm concerned about your feelings. Just be at peace. Everything is okay. Everything is fine. She was so relieved. You don't think that was a shepherding to her? The shepherd is the resurrected Christ as the life-giving spirit living in us. As he lives... He shepherds us. As he lives, he shepherds others through us and we shepherd others in him. And no one is a project. No one is an object of our self-conscious efforts. Human beings, it's demeaning. It's condescending when you come across this way. Oh, I will, I will now lower myself and allow you to choose the ribs. This is, this is ridiculous. Life is not deliberate like that. Love is not deliberate like that. Neither is light. And this is indescribable. I agree with Brother Dan Quigley's sense of anticipation about this message 
This sums up the other three. We're not just personally under life, light, and grace, and then we saw love. In this kingdom is an enlarged awareness in our heart for all the members of the body, all the churches. Don't you believe this little conference is a shepherding to the church in Kansas City? Probably to Lincoln too, huh? Omaha. I met a couple of Wichitans. Now I know what you call someone from Wichita. <laughs> They're a Wichitan from the St. Louis area, from Oklahoma City. Two sisters came from Champaign. We all got shepherded here. Okay, so we've touched, I believe, the essence of this message. Now let me read the outline in about 20 minutes. Then there'll be time to share, and we won't overwork those faithful serving ones taking care of the kids and the children. Okay? We're here because they're there. May the Lord supply them. Okay, point one. Christ is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep so that in the divine life there will be one flock and one shepherd. The heart of this is he laid down his life, his soul life, for the sheep. We all know John 3.16, how God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We may not, probably are not, as familiar with 1 John 3.16. And this is love, that he laid down his life on our behalf. And we ought to lay down our lives on behalf of the brothers. This is what the love in the kingdom, what it produces. There is no shepherding without laying down your, your life. Any mother knows this. To be a mother is to lay down your life. You just lay it down. And you don't stop laying it down when your sons and daughters are 25. Some of the most strenuous laying down. It's just going to follow them their whole life. That's just the way it is. And this doesn't make you a martyr. Mothers don't go around with a martyr complex, manipulating your children in this kind of way. But there wouldn't have been a flock that the shepherd hadn't died. There would have been no flock. We would not have had the divine life. The divine life is in the shepherd encased in his soul life because he was a human. But he laid down his soul life for the sheep. There's no shepherding without this. That's why exhortations to shepherd, pleadings to shepherd, it can't work. You need to touch this kind of love in the, the shepherd's care for you. He laid down his life for us. 
Now he lives in us a laying down life to shepherd the flock. As the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So the same with us when we contact one another. We just would like the saints to have life. We're not interfering with their affairs. We're not opinionating about their situation. B, the good shepherd laid down his human life to accomplish redemption for his sheep that they may share his divine life. Only the good shepherd can accomplish redemption. We cannot participate in his suffering for redemption. That is impossible. There would be blasphemous to say that our sufferings participate in his redemption. But we can participate in the life-releasing aspect of his death. This is probably the greatest service any brother or sister can render to the church or to the Lord's recovery that is to lay down your soul life that others may have life. This is the way Sister Emmy Barber took when she realized that although she loved D.M. Panton and he loved her, his testimony was he couldn't leave England. Hers was she couldn't leave China. She was just there as a grain of wheat falling into the ground and dying. That was a great shepherding. A great shepherding. You just desire that others would have the divine life. See, as the good shepherd, the Lord shepherd us, shepherds us by feeding us with himself and in himself as the pasture. And uh, this requires a lot of learning on our part. Either we don't feed anybody or we really get going and we stuff them and give them meal after meal and then we say we're only halfway through. They're crying out for mercy. But we're just, in, we're just in a zone, you know. We're just really going and we're enjoying the feeding. We, we forget. There's a person there that hasn't been eating and drinking much. When I was a boy, I read something. I hope this is physiologically correct about person that was in the southwest and he had been dehydrated and suffered hunger for a long time someone found him and he didn't take him to a barbecue place and get him ribs he spoon fed him with water he couldn't he couldn't drink a glass of water and, and the stomach shrivels up you can't put a full meal this takes a lot of learning the Lord will train us but some dear saints they're dehydrated and they're starved and you can't pour all the ministry into them in one session they will explode they will pop the latter state will be worse than the first you need to realize that you're taking care of a person not just enjoying being in the zone. Finally, there's someone who's asking me questions. They're listening to me. Here it comes. There's a person there. 
and they can only take a little bit then as they feed they can take a little more the work of shepherding is the work of feeding the pasture signifies Christ as the feeding place of the sheep today our pasture is the resurrected Christ as the life-giving spirit according to Psalm 23 what is the first thing the shepherd does to the sheep he makes me lie down I realize some people are passive but there are others that are they're so active the last thing they can do is lie down actually the shepherd has to make them lie down have you ever experienced this the Lord just arranges the situation you have to stop lie down in the green pasture your need is not more activity your need is to lie down in the green pasture and let me feed you in our daily Christian life we should have the sense that we are in the pasture enjoying Christ as the rich supply of life. Glory to God, we're in the pasture feeding. Glory to God. I don't know, what's the rest? Somebody finish the little tune for us. To have this sense. This is part of being in the kingdom. I'm in the pasture. I have a high-pressure job. I have to concentrate on my work, but in my spirit, there's feeding going on. I'm enjoying Christ as the rich supply of life. As the good shepherd, the Lord is leading, guiding, and directing us in the divine life. See, this is the kingdom. Leading is somewhat general. Guiding and directing are very specific. We not only need leading, we need guiding, directing. It's in the divine life. The Lord shepherds us in life from within. We all need to realize that only Christ as the Spirit is inside the saints. We cannot shepherd them from within. The goal of our shepherding, along with the feeding, is to gently help them touch the indwelling shepherd in them who is ready who is poised to extend all-inclusive tender care they just need to touch him inwardly we have him as our shepherd a shepherd of life and in life this is a great realization to know the shepherd is in me as the spirit in the way of life didn't the, didn't the shepherd get you from Plano to Broken Arrow? Wasn't that an inward matter, Lindahl? Not just an outward matter. Not just a matter of the, the brother's feeling in fellowship. But a matter of the shepherds leading, guiding, directing in life from within. As our shepherd... The living Christ not only gives us life, he is our life. Now, point two under D is really crucial. Christ shepherds us by being life to us and by living in us. His living within us 
is actually his shepherding. I understand that, especially at certain times, you want the Lord's leading, you need the Lord's leading. So you are, you pursue something called leading. In effect, what you're doing is approaching God as a computer. You key in your questions and you wait for the information to come forth. And then you can turn the computer off or you can leave the computer station. Thank you. I have the leading. This is not the Lord's leading. The Lord's leading is his living in us. And his leading by living in us is a leading to live him and be one with him. And when we do that, we're more than led. He shepherds us by living in us. His living within us is actually his shepherding. If you need direction, you need his leading. I'm not saying you, you can't pray for his leading. We're not legal about anything like that. But the crucial realization is, Lord, you are in me. You will lead me by living in me. If I really want your leading, I need to allow you to live in me. And let's be honest, sometimes we don't want that. We just want to know what to do. So we, by our little selves, can do it and not make a mistake and say this was God's will for me to do this when we've missed the crucial point. His leading, which is his shepherding, is actually his living within us as the Spirit. We turn this around if you won't let him live in you, it's hard for him to shepherd you. Then he can only, or mainly anyway, shepherd you outwardly. But in the kingdom, he wants to shepherd you in life, love, and light with grace by living in you as the Spirit. This is indescribably precious. Section E will show us that under this shepherding we're brought into the genuine oneness. Under the shepherding of Christ as the good shepherd, there shall be one flock, one shepherd. The Lord has formed the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers into one flock, the one church, the body of Christ, under his shepherding. This indicates that all of his shepherding by living in us personally is with the one flock in view. That's his goal, to have one flock, the church, the one body of Christ. And the shepherd knows where every sheep is. Even they don't know. This morning, he is watchful over the entire flock, over the whole earth, all the believers, not just the saints in the Lord's recovery, all the believers Hundreds of millions, probably. He knows where everyone is. He's shepherding everyone, but very few realize 
the direction of the shepherding is into the oneness, into the body. But by the end of the kingdom, everyone will know this. That was God's eternal goal. And it's the goal of his shepherding. And it's the goal of our shepherding without making anyone a project. We're not a kind of rescue society. I'm not demeaning any kind of army or mission. We're the church. And we care for the sheep for their own well-being. But with the church in view. Paul told the elders in Ephesus 20, as we pointed out, shepherd the flock. We need to have the consciousness of the whole flock. And to some, the, sometimes the sheep, they have problems with other sheep in the flock. and They're not happy with other sheep and they've been hurt by the other sheep. They've got owies. And they, they feel misunderstood. I got an email from a brother who graduated from the training a few months ago. And he's just completely lost in himself, blaming this co-worker, that co-worker, this one, that one, accusing them of this and that. I don't know what he expects me to say or do, but he needs to be shepherded to realize that as a young brother... He shouldn't have that much confidence in his own personal feeling. And that for someone to share in fellowship something contrary to your feeling, they're not beating you up. So this is very, very delicate. We're not simply shepherding the sheep so that they're happy, they're peaceful. The sheep belong with the flock. I was in Mongolia a little over a year ago and we had to go to a remote area because one sheep was going to be selected to be processed before our eyes as a kind of demonstration of how the Lord was processed. And the shepherd went out into the midst of the flock and one little baby goat was somewhat removed and came running, crying like saying, don't forget me. Don't forget me. All the sheep, whether they know it or not, whether they like it or not, have a flock consciousness deep within. They know, they know they're part of this flock. Especially that delightful species of being we affectionately call church kids. They know. No matter where they are, no matter how far they go into the world. Brother Lee told me and my wife once, said, they can never be the same as the worldly people. They cannot. Their being is different. And there is this, not only consciousness, a longing for the flock. At the same time, there is this desire to run away from the flock. Plus the innate capacity of sheep just to wander. So the shepherding has all of this in view. Without making anyone a project. Would you please come to the meeting tomorrow? Would you please sign up to go to the full time training? Blah, 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 blah. 
You're making them a project. Oh, but you feed them, you fellowship with them, minister life to them. Then in secret, you and your vital group, you and your vital companions, you pray for this one. Lord, shepherd this one from within. Move in her as the life-giving spirit. Give her the hunger for the church life. Overcome the obstacles to being in the Lord's recovery. And then you contact her without guile, without pressure, without any motive. You're just living in the kingdom of the Son of God's love in the life of mutual shepherding. Help her, help him, touch the pasture. Eventually, all the sheep, all the sheep, they're coming home. One by one, they're coming home. This is the Father's heart. The Lord's sheep have the divine life, and by the divine life, the sheep live together as one flock. We can't live together as one flock without the divine life. It can't be done. Now the last section. In the kingdom of God, as the realm of the divine life, we live a life of shepherding. I believe we touched on this in my opening fellowship. If we do not know what shepherding is, the entire gospel of John will be in vain to us. It is only when we shepherd others that we know the gospel of John, the divine human incorporation, the divine and mystical realm, profound revelations. The way into all of that is to be shepherded by the Lord and for the Lord to shepherd others through you. At the end of John, the resurrected Christ incorporated the apostolic ministry with his heavenly ministry with one word, shepherd, shepherd. At the end of the epistle to the Hebrews, he is called the great shepherd of the sheep. His primary activity in his heavenly ministry is the shepherd. Now on the earth, through the ministry, through the living of all the saints, there needs to be a reflection of that. Right now, as we're gathering here, the Lord is, is ministering by shepherding. And what he wants is that we would be one with him in our church life, living this life of mutual shepherding. Shepherding is to take all-inclusive, tender care of the flock. Shepherding by nature is tender. If the so-called real men think tenderness is sissies, is for sissies, then they have to learn what a real man is. Real God-men, they're strong, they're fierce toward the enemy, but they're full of tenderness for the saints. Shepherding is by nature tender. Shepherding refers to taking care of all the needs of the sheep. Shepherding is to take care of the children of God by feeding them. The work of shepherding is the work of feeding. There is a brother in Southern California who's been a college professor for decades. He received all of Brother Lee's ministry in every way. He received the ministry on the God-ordained way in its details. And he with his wife, who matches him in pursuing the Lord, quietly carried this out 
and continues to carry this out. They have baptized at least 300 new believers in their own bathtub. And recently, some of us were fellowshipping, and I said, this brother needs to be among us, and we need him to be among us. We need to learn of him and his excellent life of caring for people. Eventually, we believe he'll, he'll serve full-time. So many Chinese scholars. This is a great thing that the Lord in his sovereignty sends so many of these scholars to this country. We have one work. We don't have a separate Chinese-speaking work. But this is part of the flock of God. We need to acknowledge the amazing work of the Spirit to cause these brilliant scholars to be open to the highest truths and to the gospel of the kingdom. So this brother for many, many years, probably 20 years, has just been shepherding, shepherding, day and night, his home open, day and night, his wife altogether one with him. It's just a model of what the Lord is looking for in the kingdom life. It's a life of shepherding in a realm of shepherding. It begins with our praying in some way those familiar words. Jehovah is my shepherd. My shepherd. Oh, my shepherd. This is a king, the king, taking his standing as a sheep. I will not lack anything. Then the psalm goes stage after stage. The more we experience and enjoy his shepherding us by his living in us, the more we will become the same. Brother Lee's impression and assessment of the effectiveness of his ministry was that the most effective part of it was one-on-one -on -one shepherding. Gave so many conferences and trainings, messages beyond counting, that his realization, it was the shepherding behind the scenes, one-on-one, -on -one, that's the most effective. This is living in the kingdom of God. We're all sheep. We're all shepherds. We have one shepherd, and we are one flock, He's shepherding us by feeding us. He's shepherding us by living in us. When we lay hold of this, there will be a revival that the children of God have never seen. The clergy lady system will be smashed and terminated, never to appear again in any form. We will simply be the flock of God. We're all sheep. We're all shepherds. We live a life of shepherding. Why? Because we live in the kingdom of God as a realm of shepherding with the love, the grace, the light, and the life. Hallelujah. Amen. This is the church life as the kingdom of God. Amen. May the Lord bless us and may the Lord take us on.
to fulfill the desire of his heart and the desire of our heart. Amen. Amen. We have some time now. The brothers will monitor the time so we can take care of the practical affairs. But we have some time to respond. Uh, please don't reason, oh, I spoke last night, I can't speak again this morning. Or I'm sitting in the back, I can't speak. Just let the Lord lead you by shepherding you. And then share something with us. Uh, I'm taking my position now as a sheep. And uh, I'm really open to be fed by anybody here. So please follow the shepherd within and share something.